advantage of the day. Right. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. Yeah. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. You wanted it. You've been clamoring for it. You've reached out on social media. You've come up in casual conversations. The question, when's defending the kingdom coming back? Are you going to bring back DTK? It's back, like the Chiefs are back uh, here in St. Joe. Mitch Holtis with you along with Matt McMullen. <laughs> but this will be fun. But, hey, officially, defending the kingdom is back, so spread the word. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, Mitch. Obviously love listening to your podcast. And got to join you a few times last year. I'll join you some more this year. But, uh, yeah, I'm just talking some Chiefs football. This is the time of year that we live for, right? It's uh, The pads are on out here at practice at training camp. The team's getting ready for the 2021 season. And let's talk some football. Just so you don't flip out, uh, because – you know, I've, I've heard from everybody around the world, people on, uh, you know, we have armed services uh, folks that are around listening to us. Uh, we got people that jog to it. They're on treadmills. And they go, you didn't mention Patrick Mahomes once. <laughs> so let's just do it right out of the gate. Patrick Mahomes. There you good. Okay. He's still pretty good. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes. But this episode we're going to call <laughs> Why Patrick is Happy. Yeah. Why Patrick Mahomes is Happy. And it starts with the offensive line, which has been the most talked about thing for the Chiefs really since March, but we've seen it here in camp. This offensive line, and if folks come back and find our live stream that we did uh, a weekend ago, I said something old, something new, something borrowed, something red. But that's the way this offensive line has been put together, but it's been fun to watch it by the day be something now instead of a weakness, be a strength. So one of the storylines of the offseason, right, was the Chiefs' rebuilt offensive line, and it's been really fun to watch, like you said, 10 new players in the offensive line room coming into this season that were not with the organization last year. So that includes returning opt-outs, guys like Lucas Nying, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. But really the blend of veteran experience and youth along this offensive line is super exciting. So you have the youth and guys like Trey Smith, who we'll talk about, mm. uh, has looked really good out here, could be the steal of the draft. Creed Humphrey in the second round at center. Uh, and like Lucas Nying, also a young player. This is basically his rookie season. But also veteran players in this room. So Orlando Brown Jr., he's a veteran now in this league, been in the league three years. You trade for him, plug him in at left tackle. He's a veteran. Bring Mike Remmers back, a veteran in this league. Uh, Austin Blythe has been around for quite a while. And really the thing is with this group, the two defining characteristics are versatility and durability. These guys do not miss games. They've all been very impressive throughout their careers in terms of being available. That's the best ability you can have, right? It's being available. These guys have been durable throughout their careers uh, and also versatile. Guys who can play multiple positions, uh, guards that can play center and vice versa, tackles who can play guard. Uh, you can have a guy play right tackle or left tackle. That versatility is truly invaluable because you get to a situation across the course of a long season when guys are going to get hurt. Um, you know it's going to happen at some point. You want to be able to plug guys in there who could be starters elsewhere, and we've seen that throughout this rebuild. Let me add one other attribute that I've seen, we've both seen out here, and that's attitude. <laughs> yeah. Meaning the best offensive lines in this league over time are those that bring that edge to the line of scrimmage. And honestly, Trey Smith has been the leader there. You'd think a rookie, but I've seen it be contagious now. You know, even mild-mannered and technician Joe Tooney's got a little something to him. Uh, but it's been fun to see that. And why is Patrick Mahomes happy? He's got an offensive line now with a little bit of attitude. I think Kyle Long kind of instilled that as well because I know Kyle hasn't been practicing here at training camp. He's recovering from the injury he sustained in OTAs. 
But from day one that Kyle Long got here, he seemed to bring an edge to that room. And it, that kind of thing is contagious. And yeah, Trey Smith, oh, my God, can you, what can you say about this guy? The energy that he's shown every single day out of practice. He looks like he's a veteran, which is just super exciting. You don't see that kind of thing from rookie players coming in, particularly sixth-round picks. But he doesn't look like a sixth-round pick. He looks like a first-round pick with not just his talent but the way he carries himself. And he doesn't just go out there and rely on his athleticism. He has a plan when he's out there. And he seems to have a, a mindset of a player that's been playing a lot longer than he has, which is certainly exciting when you're talking about a sixth-round draft pick. Once again, could be the steal of the draft. That's what guys like Brett Veach get paid to do. It's not just the first-round picks. It's finding guys like Trey Smith late who other teams have passed on, but we see something in this guy, and we're seeing it now out at camp. You had to play the football game with the neighbor kids in the backyard, right? You had to do that. Of course. Yeah. Still do. So anytime I got to do it, it would be going from the farm into town. It was kind of a big deal. But a couple things here. I've always said Patrick Mahomes is the inner 10-year-old that says, hey, guys, come over to the house. We'll get a game up. That's him. That's the way he is. That's the way he approaches every day. But why is Patrick Mahomes happy? And remember the old rule, hey, no pass rush unless it's one Mississippi, two Mississippi. <laughs> this offensive line now for Patrick is giving him potentially one Mississippi, two Mississippi. And he does. He only needs two miss, okay? And good things can happen. Well, I mean, think about what he can do on the run. You know what he can do on the run. He's the most exciting quarterback in football outside of the pocket when the play breaks down. But the guy has all the tools, and we've seen it when he has time, that he's unstoppable. And if he has an opportunity to truly scan the field and see, give his, his receivers, guys like Tyreek Hill, McCole Hartman, Travis Kelsey, opportunities to get open, if you give them four or five seconds, I mean, it's game over. Patrick Mahomes is going to find those guys downfield. So when you have the, the blend that Patrick Mahomes has of being able to do that, he can be that quarterback that stands out there, scans the field, and finds his open man. Or when the play breaks down, he can make magic happen outside the pocket like we saw today out at practice uh, where he rolled to his left, stopped on a dime, and fired a rocket to D-Rob uh, for a touchdown. If you can do both of those things, I mean, how can a defense stop you? And that's really the idea behind this offensive line rebuild. There's going to be times that defenses get to Patrick, and he has to make things happen with his legs. But more often than not, if he's able to sit back there and dissect a defense, I mean, I, I truly don't know how you can stop him. Another reason why Patrick Mahomes is happy is I know he's watched video, and he was here with Alex Smith for a year in 2017 apprenticing. But he goes, hey, how about some of those plays that Alex got to run back in 13, 14, 15, and 16? They're back in action now because of the additions made at tight end. One is a renaissance in bringing back Blake Bell after his one-year stint with the Cowboys. We know Travis Kelsey has no equal in the National Football League. And if you want to get an argument about George Kittle, we can just go right down the line. <laughs> you and I would state this. We'd have our case laid out. Empirically, you cannot compare Kelsey to anybody with what he's done. But then you add Noah Gray because fans are going, who's this Noah Gray? Uh, the pick out of Duke, not a high-round pick, but – just those guys blended together has opened up what looks to me some of the plays that Coach Reed had in 2013, 14 against Miami when they, the Dolphins didn't figure it out. <laughs> that and the screen game with not just the offensive line but with these tight ends. We know about Tyreek Hill, right? We know about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We know about Kelsey. But now there's help, and I've clamored for getting help for Kelsey for a long time. 3,380 snaps in three years. I keep popping that stat out there, but you can't ignore it. But what's exciting to me is you're bringing all eight years of Andy Reid's offense with the Chiefs into this ninth season. And what it boils down to is creating mismatches defensively. And if you are able to field multiple tight ends 
on the field at the same time, it makes the defensive coordinator think, what do I do here? Do I put more DBs on the field, more linebackers? How do I cover these guys? Do I cover them with a safety? And first of all, you're right about Travis Kelsey. He's not just the best tight end in the NFL right now. He's one of the best pass catchers in the NFL right now and one of already one of the greatest tight ends in NFL history. The numbers tell us that. I mean, five straight 1,000-yard seasons. No tight end in NFL history has ever had 5,000-yard seasons, and Travis Kelsey did them all in a row. I mean, it's crazy. Last year, 1,400 uh, receiving yards for him, most ever by a tight end in a single season. So he is the best tight end in football. Defenses are staying up late at night trying to figure out how to stop him. And if you put Noah Gray now in this mix, who has nobody can be Travis Kelsey, but who has a similar skill set where you can have him run underneath routes like he did at Duke and where he was targeted 107 times and dropped just three catchable targets. He's a vacuum at tight end. He's capable of doing that kind of thing where he had over 200 snaps in the slot last year at Duke alone. Uh, he can also line up in line and as a blocker and in the backfield. So he can do all different kinds of things for you. But if you can put him as a receiver, you can have Blake Bell, who was the top uh, pass-blocking tight end in all of football last year for the Cowboys and knows the system already and can chip in some uh, receptions when he's called upon as well. All of a sudden, it creates issues where Tyree Kill all of a sudden is on an island when you have three tight ends, two tight ends out there on the Chiefs offense. And the numbers tell us this. If you look at what they did last year, the Chiefs ran two tight end sets 10% less than yep. they did in 2019. Well, all of a sudden, if you have all these athletes at the tight end position, it's going to create problems for defenses. And we know what Tyree Kill and McCole Hartman Demarcus Robinson, these guys who have great speed, what they can do, and it's only going to open up things for them if all of a sudden defenses have another thing to worry about with Noah Gray, Blake Bell, maybe Jody Fortson. We'll see what he can do in the preseason as well, an athlete at the tight end position. But uh, very exciting thoughts here when you're thinking about how this offense can get even better. It's adding athletes at positions where you typically don't have great athletes. It's also a countermeasure to what the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes has seen. Why is Patrick Mahomes happy? Because of this, and it's a countermeasure to those safeties that the opponents are setting back at 25 yards to start and backpedaling to, like, 30 yards. <laughs> I, I've talked to Patrick here in camp in private conversations about it. Just a couple of minutes, we chat. I go, am I seeing what? He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, you're seeing it. And uh, the fact that now, uh, honestly, when the Chiefs break camp here, they will have something north of 700 plays. Crazy. I, would, I, would, I would just vow any other team, all the 31 teams, how many you got. And they will have something between 700 and 750 for plays to this season. But that also includes plays when you go back into the file of plays that were in 2013, 14, 15, 16 that can be very effective. Because even if you go to a three tight end set, you're going, wow, they're running the ball. Well, wait a minute. All three of those tight ends can run routes, as we've mentioned here. And Tyreek Hill's still on the field. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire is still on the field. So uh, it's something for the uh, fans to watch. What's interesting, too, you know, Danon Hughes was last year was his first year uh, on the Chiefs Radio Network as the analyst. And yeah. I really enjoyed it. What I didn't enjoy is being in front of two 55-inch monitors <laughs> in the broadcast suite for every game but Super Bowl 55. That was not preferred yeah. but I get it I'm not going to complain because people went through a whole bunch more but I thought it was a rough way to have your rookie year <laughs> Danon is uh, like he was when he played like he's just steady give me what's my job uh, and he stayed in the league eight years uh, because of that but I thought last year he did a ph phenomenal job as the analyst and we're going to hear from him in a second but uh, I'm anxious for him <laughs> to actually get on the road and in the venue to be an analyst because he brings some football perspective. Well, I think both you guys did a tremendous job and your entire team did a tremendous job. I don't know if people realize how difficult it is to do 
a professional broadcast when you are not actually there, when you're just watching it on TV on the eight monitors or whatever you had. Mm. Uh, it's crazy. And what's funny is people would ask me all the time, Mitch is at the game, right? I'm like, no, he's not there. He's not traveling. They're like, it sounds like he's there. So that's a testament to you guys that you guys made fans feel like they were there even when you guys weren't. And to Dan Israel, the executive producer who technically made that sound like we were there. There was the one anxious moment, though, in the Charger game, week two. <laughs> Buckers lining up for the winning field goal. And Tone and bars. <laughs> so I'm looking at my iPad. I go, I'm going to have to make this up because I can't see it. I'm going to have to be like the old 20s baseball, like Ronald Reagan. There it is. And yeah. he's reading off the ticker. But uh, let's hope that's not the case this year. But I did have a chance to talk with my broadcast partner on the Chiefs Radio Network, Danon Hughes. He talked about uh, this offense and also talks about how this regime of Andy Reid respects the past and the present. We pivot just a bit on this edition of Defending the Kingdom as I am joined now by my colleague on the Chiefs radio network, longtime Kansas City Chief. Uh, you know him as an Iowa Hawkeye star, a Chiefs star, and now a media star, but <laughs> Danon Hughes. Uh, but it's uh, awesome to see you again and can't wait to get this 2021 season started. The band will be back together. This is like the opening day of a tour, like a, what, a 180-day tour that we're going to have <laughs> around this country. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. T-shirts have already been made. You yeah. can get your T-shirts at hy V <laughs> and look at all the tour dates. Um, but honestly, just, and you had your rookie season, yes. but it was so strange. I mean, we're, we're in front of two 55-inch monitors doing those games other than Super Bowl 55, and it was just, there was nothing like it, and yeah. I'm not exactly excited to go back to it if I have to. Yeah, I'm glad we don't have to go back to it <laughs> and cross our fingers that we don't have to go back to any semblance of it. But it was exciting rookie year for me. I'm fortunate you guys didn't make me stand up on the table and sing my fight song, uh, although the Iowa fight song is a good one to sing. Uh, but, yeah, it was great. It was exciting. It was a dream come true. I mean, the, the fact that you were a guy that was calling plays when I was playing and touchdowns and tackles and special teams craziness that I was going through and you were in the booth and now I get to sit next to you and call some magical football that we have here in Kansas City now. It, it was just an amazing year. Surreal to some extent, especially with all the COVID protocols, and I'm looking forward to getting back to some normalcy, whatever that will be. I'll sing it for you. You've got to fight, 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 fight for Iowa. Iowa. There we go. Yeah. Um, Look at me started. <laughs> uh, you love football at all levels. Yeah. You love to absorb it, study it. Uh, you played it. But what we're seeing with this Kansas City Chiefs football team is fascinating. And you and I watch practice it's easy to take it for granted. Yeah. Coach talks about it all the time. He says, when you see somebody do, it's like watching the Olympics. You see somebody do something of excellence and it's done on a regular basis, you start to take it for granted. Yep. What are you seeing from this team that would be easy for any of us to take for granted? I think there's just special football. And I always say, I see the game differently. I don't see it better than any fan. I don't say that, you know, I am a connoisseur of football or what have you, but I see the game differently. And when you're watching some of the amazing antics and, and special talents that are out on the field, throws that are made, catches that are made, routes, you and I were dissecting why you would run a route and how you would run a route this way. Those are the nuances that not every fan knows. They don't, you know, they're looking at, was he open or was he not open? While you and I, we're, we're breaking down, 
why he was open and how he got open. And there's so much talent, so much athleticism on the field. And let's face it, when you go against the same guy every day, Mm. they get to know your mannerisms, they get to know your movements, and you're still seeing success. So to answer your question, why I think we shouldn't take this for granted, because we see some really nice plays, we see some big plays, we see some extra efforts. And they're going against guys that know about all their moves and techniques and and habits and so on. So if you can get it done out here, imagine how well this team can be uh, focused and ready to get things done on Arrowhead Field or on the road against other opponents. You played receiver in the league. It was interesting. We had Kurt Warner on earlier uh, on one of our live streams from camp, and he, we were talking about, and Matt was asking him Iowa about. Iowa guy. Iowa guy. There you go again. <laughs> Northern Iowa, though. I won't sing that fight song. We know that one, too. But um, the way that when Kurt had the Rams, they changed the game, mm-hmm. 99 to 01, 02, 03. But it seems like the Chiefs are changing the game, too. We think of football as a game of physics, but I want to ask you about how Andy Reid makes this a game of geometry. Yeah. And think of the field as, you know, we're looking at a quadrangle or whatever, but how he uses the geometry of the game in the route concepts and what you see from him that's unique and why guys get open and why this offense has been so good for a consistent basis. Well, it's interesting that you say the geometry because first thing that comes to my mind as a sports person is the triangle offense. And you talk about the Bulls and how they were able to manipulate an offense that isolated Michael Jordan at specific times and isolated Scottie Pippen and Kobe Bryant at specific times or took advantage of Big Shaq in the middle with the Lakers. That's what we're seeing, the basketball version on an NFL field. With the way Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy construct this offense, you're seeing mismatches and you're seeing situations where like, I can visualize a safety saying, uh-oh, like, how did I get back here? I'm just backpedaling, <laughs> and I got Tyreek Hill, and I got Travis Kelsey, and I, I got these guys coming from different angles, and I don't know which way I should go. We saw the first play with McCall, McCall Hardman running a deep crossing route, a half roll by Patrick Mahomes, and threw it back across the field. What safety in this NFL is going to be able to stop that? So I think what we see is energy from this team, Because from a player's perspective, like every single day I wake up to come out on the field, I know that my offensive coordinator and head coach are putting something together that's absolutely going to make me successful. And I'm going to have fun. It's like a a party every single day. So those are the things and the nuances I see from a player's perspective that, you know what, it's just exciting. Training camp can be a grind. But what you're seeing from the players out here is just excitement. And you speak such wisdom. It makes me think of what coaches told me in the past of how the geometry goes, but how the tr- it's a triangle offense yeah. in many ways. And sometimes Kelsey's the beacon of how you do that. And then, two, what a veteran wants. What coaches told me over and over, and he said it publicly, too, what a veteran wants, just give me something new to be successful. Something to grab. Give me something to yeah. grab to take so I can beat the cat across yeah. from me. Uh, just uh, another question, one more one final question here, and thanks for being on with us. We'll have you again. Oh, yeah. And, again, I'm just so fired up to be on the radio with you again this season. But the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. You're a big part of the ambassador program. You're embedded into the community. You're a community leader. The way that the Hunt family, oh. the way Andy Reid has embraced – the history of this franchise, and I, I sat there, you know, fighting back tears when the Chiefs have 
climb the highest summit that call at the end of the game. But across my face, yours and many of players who played before, and I said, I hope they're feeling what I feel. Did you feel that? And what about the approach of the organization to all of you? I mean, you're wearing a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, so, yeah, it was one of the more special times of my life, my existence, especially on, on the sports stage. And, and you've heard me tell you the story. Uh, at the AFC Championship, we were in a section together, the Ambassadors. You have, you have guys part of the Ambassador group that played for the Dallas Texans mm. and, and have spanned 50 years plus uh, as far as being tied to this organization. And it was silent. There were tears. There were hugs. You go to the Super Bowl, we're in the same situation. We're in the same section in the upper corner away from the touchdown run, but we can see it down the same sideline. And there were tears. I mean, it was the most emotional time that I can remember from from playing to this time. And then when they granted us the rings, these rings, Mm -hmm. like we had a Zoom call because of COVID, and it was the quietest Zoom. It was like we were in a library when they announced it. It was like, like some people shut off their video. Hmm. Some people just turned their head away. It was like, like for me, I always felt for the fans that we didn't get it done with those great 90s teams. And it was like elate, I was elated the fact that the, the fans got a taste of greatness with that Super Bowl win. And then they were gracious enough, the Hunt family was gracious enough to say, we acknowledge you ambassadors, what you still do for this organization in the community, et cetera, and we're going to give you this gift. And I was beside myself for about two months. I couldn't believe it. I wear it with pride. <laughs> I always say, Mitch, the, the best coaches are the best brainwashers. And Marty Schottenheimer and the Hunt family, they brainwashed us in a great way to still stay connected with this community. So I'm proud to wear this ring. I'm proud to be a part of this group, proud to be a part of the broadcast with you, and par- proud to be able to witness greatness on the field. I'm with you all the way. And, again, proud to be connected with you. Looking forward to attacking the 2021 yes. season. Thanks for being with us on this first edition of the new season of Defending the Kingdom. Danan's perspective on what that Super Bowl championship meant, the Hunt family and Coach Reed, they all got rings, and the fact that, I love it that Coach Reed respects the past, but that the Hunt family wanted everybody that has been a part of this franchise that played for this team to feel like they were champions on that day. So I grew up in Kansas City. I grew up a Chiefs fan. And when we won the Super Bowl, the first things I was thinking about was the teams that I grew up watching. Guys like Trent Green, um, Priest Holmes, Dante Hall, those guys. That's what I thought about just as a fan and how it was a culmination of of decades of Chiefs football to get to that moment. And what I love about this team and this community and this fan base and Chiefs Kingdom is that everyone gets that and everyone feels that way. It's not just an NFL team in town, go to the game, enjoy it, go home. It's really part of the fabric of the community. And we say those things, but it, it really is real because I grew up feeling that. I know all my friends, my family grew up feeling that. I know you feel that. Uh, so the fact that we recognize and honor those guys and that they, in turn, feel a part of it still uh, is just super special. Yeah, love it. Now, another reason this edition, and we're back, defending the kingdom, back on the track, and we're running here. But this edition we're calling Why is Patrick Mahomes Happy? <laughs> and it's not just about the offense. It's also about the defense because Patrick has noticed, along with all of us, that he may get some more possessions. There might be some three and outs, get the enemy off the field and get the ball back in Patrick's hands because the excitement over the rookie class that we talked about on offense, 
I'm sensing that same excitement and seeing it on the field of the second-year defenders. And there's four guys now in this category. Let's talk about them. Willie Gay Jr., he's in the, been in the con- concussion protocol the last couple days. But, wow, looks like he's <laughs> taken two jumps up. Yes. Legereus Sneed might be the best slot corner in this league at the end of the year. Mike Dana has been outstanding. And then Tershawn Wharton. Last year, kind of an, anom- you know, an anomaly. Oh, that's cute. He's out of Missouri <laughs> S&T. This year, he looks like a force. So I think one thing that those guys don't get enough credit for is how difficult it was to go into the rookie season with no in-person OTAs, no in-person minicamp, no rookie minicamp to get their feet under them. They just came into training camp after weeks of looking at their iPad, trying to learn the playbook, trying to talk to their coaches. And on top of that, training camp was at the team facility with no fans, no energy. It just didn't really feel like a normal rookie year, you know? And those guys did their best, and to their credit, guys like Legereus Sneed, I mean, are you kidding? He was the top rookie corner in all of football last year based on a number of metrics, made lots of all-rookie teams. The guy was a stud. It's going to be even better this year. And Tershawn Wharton, you get him out of Missouri S&T. Pro Football Focus had a midseason um, all-rookie team, and here it was, the defensive line. Chase Young, first-round pick. Uh, Derek Brown, first-round pick. Alex <laughs> Highsmith, third-round pick. And Tershawn Wharton, undrafted out of Missouri S&T. Just crazy stuff. So looking forward to more from him as well. Mike Dana flashed. And Willie Gay Jr., think about the Atlanta Falcons game, how good he was in that one when he really had an opportunity. He goes out there, has no missed tackles, 10 defensive stops. He was a stud. Here's the thing. Willie Gay told us that until late in the year, he didn't feel totally comfortable in the defense and in the scheme just because they didn't have that time in the offseason to get ready. And he now, and all these guys feel this way, they've told us, they've had a full year and a full in-person off-season program where they feel totally comfortable and ready to go in the scheme. And once you have the mental part of it down, these guys are great athletes already. That's why they were drafted. And in Tershawn's case, signed after the draft. So they can just let their, their instincts work. And Willie Gay Jr. in particular looks fast, looks really good in coverage, and his instincts are awesome. What these guys can do now in their second season is going to be super exciting to watch because they're not rookies, but they've kind of for a lot of these guys, this is the first time that they've they've experienced having all of this lead time. So they're kind of like rookies with a ton of experience already coming in. So all four of those guys looking for big seasons from them, it's going to make Patrick Mahomes very happy throughout the campaign. You mentioned when we talked offense in the first 15 minutes or so of the podcast about the versatility required on the offensive side. But these four guys have shown they are as versatile on defense. The team has been repping Tershawn Wharton at different spots. They've done the same thing with Mike Dan. I've been really impressed with him. Yeah. We know, and what's underrated about Snead is he can play outside, inside. He can blitz. He can play against the run. He can cover. He made a fantastic interception here a couple or yesterday. Um, and the same can be said uh, when you look at Willie Gay Jr. I mean, he's the newfangled linebacker. He's got to cover. He's got to play. He's got to do everything. Man zone. You got to play the run. But there's versatility with these guys and. Steve Spagnuolo is as imaginative as Andy Reid is on offense. He is on defense. And I think he's loving that fact. The second fact is, and it's an old NFL adage, yes, there's the first year. But Marty Schottenheimer told me, even going into my second year, he goes, you've got to be twice as good your second year to be as good as your first year. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that quote because everybody knows what you're doing. They know when you brush your teeth. They know when you go to bed. They know. So – these guys, to me, have lived to that. These four guys in particular have lived to the fact that they're twice as good as they were last year to be as good as they were a year ago. And think about what these, these guys were worrying about back in February of last year. They're just trying to get drafted. 
just trying to land on a team. And when you have a full year where you're in the system, you know what it's like to be a professional athlete. You know what's expected of you. It just makes it easier when you're coming into OTAs and minicamp and training camp. You know what's expected of you. You've been thinking this way the entire time. You know what team you're on. And I like the Marty Schottenheimer reference because it reminds me of what I talked about uh, when I talked to Tim Grunhardt before he was inducted into the or announced that he was going to be in the, hall, the uh, Ring of Honor uh, this year. And he was talking about that, about how after his rookie year, Marty sat him down and said, listen, you had a great year. But that's last year. It's yeah. all about next year now. And, and, and Tim talked about how that really stuck with him throughout his career. And it makes me think about what Tyron Matthew said a few days ago in context of Legereus Sneed. It's, you know, a lot of guys come in this league with a ton of potential. You know, the potential, the potential, the potential. But it fades away. Uh, eventually, you're, you're too old to have potential. <laughs> uh, the best players, the great players, are the ones that harness that potential and really live up to it. And you have to do that right away. You can't just be in this league for a long time and keep saying, well, you know, he has potential. These guys showed what they could do during their, their rookie year, and now it's about taking all of that and just building upon it. These guys are vets now. I mean, two years into the league, you know what you're doing. It's building on that and, and becoming more of a complete player. And the versatility is a great point because versatility in today's game, especially on defense, is paramount. Yeah, there's volumes in the Library of Congress that deal with players that were flashes as rookies and Never done anything after that. <laughs> Maybe not, but you get the idea. But this second-year group on defense is fun to watch. We're back defending the kingdom. Defending the kingdom. We're going to have some fun this year. Uh, we'll have different guests on. Yeah. Uh, we'll try to keep it lively. And we want to hear from you. You can. I'm at Mitch Holtis on Twitter. You can go to KC Chiefs under at it, KC Chiefs underscore Matt, or hit us up. Hit our 65 TPT crew, and say, Hey, why don't you guys talk about this? What do you think <laughs> about this? And and uh, we're. We're seeing it. We're listening to you. We want yeah. to do that. So yeah. we just want to make their run on the treadmill better. That's, that's what we're trying to do. And we're out here at practice every day. And we talk to each other. This is basically just filming us talking just normally because this is all we talk about just about every day. We, we're rooming together up here in the dorms at uh, Missouri Western State University. And uh, we love to get everyone's feedback and just what you guys want to hear us talk about because we love this team. We love Chiefs football. And we're in the middle of it. It's the grind of camp right now. So on our episode, to get things started, once again on Defending the Kingdom, why is Patrick Mahomes happy? But I know this, Matt, I'll speak for you. We are all happy in the Chiefs' kingdom that Patrick Mahomes is our quarterback. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the 